Hey, I'm John. And I'm Becky. And this is the We Are For Good podcast. Nonprofits are faced with more challenges to accomplish their missions and the growing pressure to do more, raise more, and be more for the causes that improve our world. We're here to learn with you from some of the best in the industry, bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising. So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world. So let's get started. Hey, hey, everybody. We're back. We're so excited. Today is going to be an amazing episode. We have got one of the most cool people that's actually our friend in real life, which is always fun, Bridget Zorn. Busy. Busy in the house. (laughs) Can we get that turned in? Hi, guys. Hey, hey. Welcome. So Bridget is an Oklahoman. Go go Okies. Um, She's a nonprofit fundraising whiz. Um, I met her. We were both in healthcare philanthropy, kind of at different organizations in the same city, both doing a lot of annual giving things. She is now the executive director for American Heart here in Oklahoma City. Amazing organization, amazing mission. But probably what most people know Bridget for is just her um, love and investment in the values discussion. And that's that's where we really want to spend a lot of time with Bridget today because she's such an expert in this. But infusing values and getting those right in your personal life and in your organizations. And so I'm so excited for today's conversation. I feel like everybody that's listening can get something out of this today. So Bridget, will you tell us just a little bit about yourself and fill everybody in? Yes. Well, first, I just want to say how grateful I am to be on this podcast. I have well, been watching from afar what you guys have been doing with We Are For Good, especially around the workplace giving space, uh, which is where I've spent a lot of my career, too. And I just respect the heck out of you guys. And I'm so grateful oh. for the hour that is in front of us to talk about value. Thank you. Thank you. you compliment our company, our kids or our dogs. You're our friends for life. <laughs> <laughs> I am a fundraiser. That is all I've ever done. I started fundraising when I was still in college as an undergrad. I did political fundraising and then did political fundraising at the national level right out of college. I spent some time in Washington, D.C. doing that, and it was a big, fun time, but eventually my husband and I decided that we wanted to move back home to Oklahoma And so we did that, and I was welcomed into a job at United Way, which in this community, uh, I know United Ways are different across the country, but in this community, there is no better place to get plugged in to the nonprofit community and to learn the ropes in nonprofit than United Way. So I spent a few years there, and then I moved into healthcare philanthropy, where I served at a Catholic health system for seven years. And I loved healthcare. I actually got a master's in health administration while I was there. Oh and did a lot of different types of fundraising. I did annual giving, grateful patient fundraising, workplace giving, uh, helped run some capital campaigns. So got a lot of different experience under my belt. And now I am leading the local office for a national nonprofit, which is healthcare-based, which is just a really great fit for me. It, it incorporates that healthcare administration background and fundraising and nonprofit leadership. And, and I'm really loving it. I love it. Bridget knows how to juggle all the balls. Cause I remember us having coffee back in our old days when we were both in healthcare philanthropy at the health systems. And you were in the middle of annual report season and Bridget was like, I'm editing like 16 versions of a different annual reports. And I'm like, <laughs> how do you even have the brain power to do that? You know, but I knew this is a special person that just can 
micromanage so many things. Not that sounds awful, but that's an amazing gift that you have to, yeah, be able to do and that. juggle so, so many juggle things. So and an annual time. report, like, gosh, that's like buying tires for your car. <laughs> like you hate doing it, but you I'm have sure to do it on some level. So bravo. Yes. Yeah, it's like the, it's real life having like 16 tabs on your computer with <laughs> totally. different annual reports for, for different communities. But I, I will say, and maybe this can segue into the other things that we're going to be talking about, is part of what made those annual reports doable is that the organization I was working with had really clear and strong values and a really clear and strong mission. And so no matter what we were talking about in those annual reports, although it looked different community by community, there were common threads in the copy and in the messages and the stories that we were telling. So, yeah. I love love that that. you're kind of um, like, this is your jam um, values. And and what a thing to, to be focused on. Because when I think of just corporate values, corporate mission, I mean, I, I go back to the corporate box of which I'm always trying to break out of because I don't want to be in a box ever in my life. And I want to, you know, think of things radically, uh, you know, and, and innovatively. And I think about, we're going to sit down and we're going to have a staff retreat and we're going to talk about our mission. We're going to determine our blah, vision, blah, 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 blah. blah. <laughs> so kind of, kind of give us your take on values and how you're working to kind of disrupt this space of Here's how to check off your mission, vision, values, those kinds of things. Well, as a fundraiser, this may come as a shock to other fundraisers who are listening, but I hate small talk. Like, I can do it. I can talk about the weather and last night's Thunder game and traffic. Like, I can I can do it. <laughs> but it's not fulfilling to me, and it, I don't like doing it. And so as a fundraiser, I love having really deep conversations with donors And I have found just in my professional career, there's no easier way to get to know someone on a deep level than to talk to them about their personal values and to to talk to them about the values of your organization and, and say like, which of these, you know, inspires you or which of these do you see showing up in your own life? Uh, Those are the kind of conversations that I, I like to have with donors. And I just found that values was a really it was kind of like an easy button to those deep conversations that I was longing for. Um, And it turns out having those kinds of deep conversations with donors often leads to bigger gifts. Go figure. Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, you're, if, if, if that's the front porch to walking in as an entry point to having these relationships, I mean, you're truly sharing the most important and vulnerable things about yourself with someone. Mm-hmm. And so I can see how, you know, if you're, if philanthropy is important to you, how it would flow from there. So what a really intelligent way to walk in to a conversation rather than just where'd you grow up and what, what do you do and tell me about your kids? You know, it's just like at a deeper level. So that's yeah. a great hack. And then, you know, I was finding that I was having deep conversations at work. I was talking about mission and values in the office. And I was, you know, being really thoughtful about strategy and and what we were going to do as an organization. And then I would get home at night and walk into chaos and feel like at home, I was not talking about values. We had no vision. We had no strategy for how we were spending our time and how we were parenting. And I just, there was a disconnect there that made me feel guilty. It just made me, it just didn't feel good. And so I started thinking about what are some of the values 
I want to incorporate into my home life? And why am I not having those really deep conversations regularly with the people who mean the most to me, like my parents and my spouse and my son? And so that's kind of heavy. Um, But again, that's the deep conversations that I like to have. So I hope you're ready. Yeah, we are. I think it's such a thought-provoking discussion. So please keep going. Tell us your your process. Why do you think that people choose not to? I mean, just before we get into it, why do you? What are the blocks? I know busyness and just getting in the grind on some level, but what do you think is the block for people having these conversations? A lot of things. For one, (laughs) it's not easy. Yeah. Um. And, but at the same time, we're hungry for this kind of information. You know, I think that's why things like the Enneagram are so popular and personality assessments are popular. You know, Cambridge Analytica uh, got millions of Americans to take persona- personality assessments on Facebook in 2016, um, partly because we're so hungry to like know who we are, to have these kinds of things delivered to us in an easy way. But what I've found is it's not easy. Like you actually have to sit down and self-reflect and meditate, um, write them out, maybe have difficult conversations that you've never had with a spouse or with a sibling. It's, and it's just easier to kind of go on autopilot and do what you think that you should be doing um, than it is to kind of regroup and come to consensus with your family on something. I mean, in my family, it's hard enough to convince everyone when to show up for Christmas, <laughs> let alone, <laughs> uh, so you know, come together on a, a set of values. So it's just hard. I mean, that's, yeah. that's why I think people don't do it. So it's what difficult. came first, like the chicken or the egg? Did, did you, <laughs> did you start examining values within the organization or did you start with the family and what did that process first look like? Yeah. So At that Catholic health system, like I said, we had this really strong set of values and I just loved it. I I felt like it really helped guide my work and it helped make me feel really stable. It gave me confidence to have big conversations with donors and I was lacking that at home. I I share um, this picture when I give talks about values of my grandfather's gravestone, which always gets kind of a gasp in a room, but it's not a sad picture. On my grandfather's grave marker, the words, remember who you are, are inscribed on his uh, gravestone. Mm. And, and that has been a motto in my family as I was growing up. Remember who you are. My, my parents might have shouted that to me when I was running out the door as a teenager or something. Like, remember who you are. Um, and so I think I always had these questions deep down of, who am I? Like, who am I remembering to be? Or who are we as a family? Uh, My parents lived some of that out by example, but it was never a really clear conversation about this is who we are as a family. Um, This is who you are. And so I think when I finally got to an organization that had this really clear laid out value system, I was like, I love this. Uh, It just felt so right. And then you know, that was the key to me recognizing that it was really missing in my personal life. So you're, you're having this realization. I can just see how all, (laughs) you know, it's like epiphany after epiphany and, and you're starting to line up, um, the structure that you are going to use as a roadmap for the family. Tell us like how you started, you know, in terms of 
as a parent and as a daughter and a wife and, and how that sort of trickled out um, beyond your personal life. Yeah. Well, I'll just be honest for me, it started in therapy. Like, <laughs> I love therapy, <laughs> huge advocate. Uh, I started having these conversations with my therapist and I asked her, I was like, I'm looking for a tool that's going to tell me what's unique about my family and give us, you know, some guidelines for how we incorporate some values that are really important to us in our parenting. And she didn't have a lot of resources to give me. Um, there was some faith-based stuff that was good, but it wasn't an exact right fit for us. And so I just started reading. I read, you know, parenting books and I read um, books about corporate values just started reading and researching and then just came up with my own little method for how we were going to do this discovery work in our family. If it doesn't exist, build it. I love that you tackled that head on. Um, mm -hmm. Can you kind of walk us through, you know, the steps of somebody saying they want to, to do the hard work? How, where do you begin? You know, where kind of walk us through some of the tools that you've put together, how to do that. Yeah. So I, I say that values work is really important, but it can be done with levity. Um, it doesn't awesome. have to feel really <laughs> heavy and serious. So one of the tools that I think is just fun and I have as a free download and I pass it out whenever I talk is I put values into a March Madness bracket. And oh then, my gosh. Like, you can All let you your values like, fans like battle me. it out. I still know what that is. John, March Madness is a group is a time of year where I'm kidding. I tease John about like social events and movies and things. I know enough to hang. <laughs> love it. So are you hitting them against each other? Or like it. how does that work? Okay. Yeah, so you might have to choose between um peace and authenticity. Oh. Which is more important to you. Wow. Authenticity. What move forward in your See, bracket? I'm like such a peacemaker. I'm like, I'm John, that's John's Enneagram <laughs> nine. So it's I'm Enneagram two. Peace. So but yeah. I'm, yeah, both. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, and, that's, and that's okay. Like, that's yeah. what I love about, you know, self-study and values is we're all different. We all have, you know, these sacred values that guide us and we just need to get quiet and listen to them. I, I tell people too, I like to think of values as like a drum beat that's going in your chest all the time. Like it might say humility, 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 and it's going and it's always been going. But if you don't get quiet and listen and spend time figuring out what your drum beat is saying, then you, you're really going to miss out on this really special piece of who you are. I love that. I'm just like trying to come to terms with all of it because <laughs> this is such a huge topic. I hope that people that are listening at home are doing some of that self-reflection because, you know, pre-COVID, I just think about our lives and I think about especially like my family's life at home and it was just this relentless pace of white noise and stuff and, you know, if there was ever any saving grace, and I'm sure everybody had felt this moment at some point during this pandemic, where you just kind of stopped, and you just lived in the stillness. And anyone who knows me, I mean, I don't do anything slow. You know, I drive fast, I talk fast, I, I mean, I eat fast. It's just like <laughs> finding a way to just sit in the stillness. And then we kind of looked at each other as a family, and we're like, 
we're enjoying this. We're enjoying this not going and blowing. We're enjoying going on a hike and just sharing stories about when we were growing up with our kids and, you know, just having super simple moments. And just because we have the technology doesn't need to mean we need to be connected to it all the time. So I really, I, I'm really appreciating what you're saying and how you're saying it, because I mean, that drumbeat is such a visual for me. I mean, and and especially if you're logging onto YouTube and you can see like Bridget hitting her chest as she says, humility, humility. And I have thought of many times as an, as a human that I've just had such anxiety and I'm literally thinking in my head, peace, peace, or quiet, stillness, stillness. And um, I just think about if we could take some of those themes and thread them into the organizations that we work for, whether that's a nonprofit organization, whether it's a for-profit organization, like how could that even impact the culture? I would love for you to talk about that a little bit. I have a story that will help conceptualize how we use values, at least in my family. Uh, So before we did this values work, my family was spending a lot of time playing sports and watching sports. My son played soccer and golf. My husband plays golf. We were watching Thunder basketball, OU football, just a lot of sports. And I did not have the language I needed to articulate how I was feeling about that. I just had some like low level resentment and I wasn't happy spending all of my time on sports. Um, But my husband and I discovered when we did this values work that we have a shared value of nature. And so now, like when I'm feeling resentment about how much time we're spending on sports, I have this word that I can drop into conversation or that I can throw on our calendars and say, we haven't spent enough time in nature, you know, this month, or I'm going to carve out some nature time on our calendars. And it just helps us, you know, have the language to work through conflict and have the ability to focus together on things. And that works in the workplace too, because we're always going to have conflict in the workplace. But if we have a shared language and a shared vision around values, it can help us articulate when things feel off and it helps us make decisions. Hey friends, we hope you're enjoying this conversation. Want to dive deeper? Head over to weareforgood.com backslash hello to join our mailing list, The Good Community, and start embracing innovation and goodness. You'll be connected to all the resources, tips, tools, and show notes shared here. It's a treasure trove of freebies and maybe even some complimentary swag. Now let's get back to this awesome feel-good conversation. I love that. That's so beautiful, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because you guys can actually go back to the thing that not only connects you, but kind of refills you. Centers you. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And and it's so much better than my husband and I's key phrase, which is Falcor. Um, (laughs) The little white uh, flying dog from the never-ending story. That is our key word to each other when we want to leave an event, is we walk up and say Falcor. Now you know, everyone, if we are at your event and Kyle leans over and says Falcor, we are leaving. Yours is a much healthier approach (laughs) yes marital communication is important so yeah I I, oh go ahead John no I mean I think there's just so many jumping off points here right um what do you advise you know we've all been parts of different organizations and I think the values in some places are more culturally bound and accepted Mm -hmm. and whatnot what do you do and how do you do the difficult work if you find yourself in an organization or maybe you're the leader I mean as an executive director 
when you just feel like you need to go further? Is it a giant group discussion? Because that feels like that never works well. <laughs> How do you guide an organization to new values and land on something that is going to resonate? Yeah, so in my research, I what I think is best if you want to reset on your values or maybe um, come up with a whole new value system for your company, what I think is best is that you have the core leaders of that company gathered together to come up with the values and your, your vision for your company. For a nonprofit, maybe that means some legacy board members or donors get to be a, a part of that conversation. I prefer like a smaller group approach to maybe inviting everybody in the company or organization to fill out a survey or come to a values retreat. Because what can happen is the values of those individuals might start to wash into the values of the company. And what we want is for the, the company, the organization itself to have really strong values, so much so that we are luring you know, individuals and donors who have those same values to us, but we're not necessarily being swayed by you know, an employee who may have only been there one or two years and doesn't yet have you know, a really strong stake. We don't want to be swayed necessarily by, by their opinion about what our values should be. And I know that might not be a popular answer. I can, I can see that, you know, some employees might be prickly about not getting invited to the values discussion, but it's the same in families. My husband and I didn't invite our five-year-old into the values discussion. Yeah. And I, I don't want to um, compare employees to children. I'm, I'm not trying to do that, but but we are the leaders of our family and it is our responsibility to set the values of our family, just like it's the responsibility of leaders to set the values of their organization. And that doesn't mean that you're not listening to me. Correct. I mean, because, you know, one of our values as a company, in fact, it's the, I mean, we call it our belief, you know, the very first one is that everyone matters, you know, because we know that we have an obligation to, um, listen to everyone's opinion, allow them to speak in to where we're going, but they're not necessarily, you know, if you have a frontline employee, they're not exactly steering the ship, you know, that's not their exactly. role. And so I, I really do like this concept of, I mean, I, I think that's the, where we drop the head um, explosion emoji of like a values <laughs> retreat has right. such a warmer ring to it than we're going to get together, you know, in staff meeting and talk about our mission and values. You know, right. it's like that is such a heavier topic. And it really is a retreat because retreats are more exploratory and mm -hmm. conceptual. And we're kind of just uh, lifting that up. Um, I, I think that's that's fantastic. And I just love yeah. that you said that. Where I would recommend that you invite, you know, maybe an entire team in or some other key volunteers in is once you have those values chosen, then you would invite them to let's come up with a shared definition of this value. Let's make sure that everyone understands exactly what this means and how we're going to operationalize it into what we do. There's a statistic that I like from Brene Brown, and she says that only 10% of companies have operationalized their values. And that means that they're using them every day. They're actually using them to make strategic decisions. They're using them in conversations with each other, internally and externally. It's just, it's part of who they are. Only 10% wow. of companies Shocking. have done that. You know, yeah. That means that we have a lot of companies and organizations whose values are in a drawer somewhere or stagnant on a webpage that hasn't been looked at, you know, in three or four years. 
And so we need everyone's help in like defining values and operationalizing them. We just don't necessarily need everyone's help to come up with what they are. Yeah. So I want to circle back. You talked about how values can really aid in the fundraising process. And we have a lot of, you know, frontline fundraisers that listen. How do you have that conversation with the donor to understand their values? How do you find a draw that out? Is it observational, you know, and I, th- I know we always talk about, you kind of can observe someone's office and know everything about them <laughs> on some level. <laughs> um, what are those kind of leading questions that you would advise us to, to get to know somebody on that level? Yeah, I think a lot of those questions just start with why, like why, why our organization, why are you thinking about making this gift? Why have you made, you know, such and such gift in the past? And then, you know, tell a story. Like I heard um, you guys interview someone about storytelling the other day. I listened to that first podcast episode and I think we can use values in our storytelling. So when I was at that health system, you might tell a story about dignity, which is one of our guiding values and, and say, this is how dignity showed up, you know, last week, this is the story. And I want to share this with you and then get their response to that. I love this. John and I are like looking across at each other over our microphones, like, yes. (laughs) I mean, and the fact that you pick dignity, I mean, is there a better value for healthcare philanthropy than dignity? Um, Gosh, that is a really powerful statement. And I think if you could just even tie it back, I would love to know how having this approach, I mean, especially as the big cheese in your organization, I mean, I can imagine how this flows down to everyone beneath you is has got to be culture bending in a great way. And, and so talk about how you've been able to see your organizations grow and flourish, just kind of employing this methodology. Yeah, well, I think it's been difficult because what I learned in that health system job, I was there for maybe five or six years before I really understood those values. And right now I'm in a very short tenure at this job and I'll just be candid I don't have a really solid understanding yet of how to, you know, talk about the values of my organization. There's some buzzwords that I can use like innovation and equity. And I know exactly what those mean and how to talk about them, but I don't have that like heart and soul feel connection to the values yet. I know that I will. Um, And I think that's a really important piece of employee engagement. Uh, another statistic that I love is I think it's like 80% of millennials are looking to align their values with a company's values. That's what they're looking for when they look for jobs. I think that came from American Express workplace survey. Um, And I definitely did that when I chose a new, a new company. Um, So I'm looking forward to that kind of heart and soul connection to the values of my organization. It's coming and I'm I'm excited to learn and, and grow into it. And you had talked about earlier just how values can attract donors to the brand. We talked about this on offline before we actually started the interview, and I thought this is fascinating. And just even attracting employees to your company, can you give our listeners a little bit of context on that? Yeah, so there's a lot of research that shows that customers are seeking out brands that share their values. You know, there's some well-known brands that we can think of off the top of our heads, like Patagonia is one, for instance, that has very clear values in environmentalism. You know, I think customers are especially interested when a company 
is so strong in their values that it's clear that that value that that value has a negative effect on their profit. Mm. Like Patagonia wants you to fix your fleece before buying a new one. That's a really powerful example of living into your values and that Thank attracts you, customers. And that's what I mean what I think the evolved state today of people today are, are, are looking for authenticity, you know, and consumers mm-hmm. are looking for authenticity. So check in the box of just saying, these are our values, whether they're represented in what we do, like you get called out <laughs> like in social media and all the places. So I love that it's kind of this check, you know, that people would call out Patagonia if they weren't living up to what they say that they value. And Patagonia yeah. probably appreciates that, you know, yeah, people, so. their, their people are holding them accountable. Their community is saying, we align here and we're going to keep shopping here. If you can, you know, adhere to this. I love that. Why not? I I love that they put it out there so publicly. And I think that goes back to John, the question that you asked about why are families not defining their values and putting them out, you know, more publicly. It's the same reason I think companies are, are shy to do it because it sets you up for public criticism. You know, it it really, it sets you up for failing to live into that value. Um, it's scary to put yourself out there like that, but I think it's worth it. You know, when I talk to families and companies about values, I say, there might be a time when someone puts you on the spot and says, I disagree, um, that you are living into this value and that's okay. Like, that's why you, that's why you put it out into the world is so that it it serves as a a guidepost. Baseline. Yeah. For Mm -hmm. what you, your expectations for yourself. That's, that's really, Mm -hmm. really powerful. I have uh, one more question, and it's kind of a zinger. We didn't tell you it was coming, <laughs> but I'm just really fixated and and loving this grandpa's grave marker and remember Gosh. who you are. I'm coming back to that. I wonder if you could tell us, like, who has been someone in your life who has really influenced you and um, help you discover what you know Bridget's values are. Well, that's such a good question. Um, I mean, my parents, you know, my parents and my grandparents, I am so fortunate to come, you know, from a strong family where I grew up hearing family stories. And I, you know, heard about the time my grandparents' house burned down. And I heard about the time my grandfather uh, went to World War II and lied on his draft paper saying he was 18 instead of 17 because he wanted to serve, you know, in his country in the war. I grew, grew up hearing those stories. And I know from my research that hearing those stories helps kids form their form values and helps them grow into the people that they're going to be and feel confident in who they are. And so I would say my family more than anything else. And that's so clear to me that you are going to say that because <laughs> because that infusion, you can hear it as you're talking about your children, you're talking about how to co-parent. And, um, and even when you talk about your organization, I just feel like it flows from that. So um, yeah, I'm answer. a deep conversationalist. It sometimes works <laughs> in fundraising and sometimes it doesn't, but it's just, that's, it's who I am. And I've found professionally that just leaning into it is fulfilling to me. Yes. Whether 
whether people want to go there with me or not, um, <laughs> that's what I like to do. John, it reminds me of your invention that you thought of that one day where it was like you would get something water cooler comments emailed to you so you could feel like you were socially <laughs> hip that you I could mean, share. I can never hang with the sports conversation. So I just needed an app to say what happened at the game so I can at least not embarrass myself <laughs> in the elevator right up. Like who caught the pass? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What is a pass? Oh, yeah. Wow, yes, crazy huh? game last night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm texting like who played? You are um, you you are of the Bridget Zorn uh, yeah. hardwired. You want to have those deep and meaningful conversations. Absolutely. I mean, the, the small talk is important too. That's important to our social lives. But sure. like I said, it's not fulfilling to me. It's not where I want to stay. Yeah. I want to get past it. Yeah, I love that. So, okay, Bridget, we ask all of our guests one good thing. You have given us so many good things already, but what's something actionable? This is, we're looking for something we could do today to go forth and implement in our life or mindset, whatever it may be. I want to have some countdown music for one good thing. (laughs) Can we get like some Jeopardy music? Create even more anxiety for the guests. (laughs) Think of something. So there are three things that I have found in my research that can help you define your values. I'll just go over those really quick and then I'll give you like a piece of homework. Okay. So one is to get quiet, meditate, prayer, spend time in nature, whatever that looks like for you, and just listen to that drumbeat. Number two is write. Maybe spend time with a journal prompt. I've got some Mad Libs on my website that that work well for people. Just kind of fill in those values words. And number three is to ask somebody. Ask someone you're close with, like a friend or a sibling. And instead of asking, you know, what are my values, flip that question and say, what is a value that I bring to this relationship? Or what value do you think I bring into the world or into this workplace or whatever? Um, So I would say, you know, if you really want to dig in deep with me and have a deep conversation, maybe for the first time in that friendship or work relationship, ask that third question of someone you trust and just see what happens. And in the stillness, I mean, I think that it really, number one of just finding the quiet, you know, within and just doing that self-reflection, I think that is some of the heavy work because it's a noisy, noisy, distracting world. And if we can just kind of take those deep breaths and inhale, exhale and, and, um, and do the work on ourselves it seems like the other two things would flow very naturally from that. So that is Mm -hmm. such a great tip. Bridget, you have so many incredible thought-provoking questions and ideas here today. How can our guests connect with you? Um, Looking at March Madness style brackets (laughs) for values, um, going through Mad Libs. Yes, I know. This is like, we're going to geek out over it. Where can people connect with you? So I'm on Instagram and Twitter, Briggs Zorn, B-R-I-G-Z-O-R-N. And then to just make things easier for really myself, I have a website, BriggZorn.com. Love that consistent branding. Good job. There you go. And so you can go there to learn more about about Familified and some of the other stuff I've got going. And I feel like we talked about this right before, like just to share a little bit about the awesome programs you've got. I mean, You've served families to help them through this process, but you also serve organizations. Will you just tell us real quickly about those two tools that are out there so we can connect people to them? Yeah. So when I first put that bracket online, it was specifically for families, but in the little widget, the download widget, I put a survey in there and I asked people, are you interested in values for yourself, 
your family, or your company. And resoundingly, I mean, I've had hundreds of people download the bracket. Over 60% of people say they're interested in values for themselves. Mm, So I was like, oh, I guess people need to do this work for themselves first, maybe before they can feel confident to bring it to their families or bring it to their companies. And so I started with Famlified. Uh, that was specifically for families. And then I also have some products that are labeled identified, which can help you identify your, your personal values. And that, that was, I didn't know that I was going to be heading in that direction, but that's what people were telling me back when they downloaded the bracket. She probably figured it out during her self-reflection time. Totally. (laughs) Yes. And lesson there, people tell you what the needs are, you know, listen to people like this is a lesson I'm taking right now. Well, and people who love you and are close to you and that you trust, they will tell you the truth. And sometimes they can, they see what we have blinders for. And so I just think that is a really excellent exercise. Bridget, I'm walking away from this conversation with a value of gratitude. (laughs) Thank you so much for um, just bringing this excellent discussion to our podcast and uh, to our community. I think it's so helpful. We appreciate you. Thank you guys so much. This was fun. Have a great day. Bye. Bye guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope Bridget's discussion helped you crystallize your values, how to implement them and live them in both your personal and professional life. Head over to weareforgood.com backslash hello to join our mailing list and enjoy our best content resources, show notes, and more. If you loved what you heard today, would you consider subscribing on your favorite platform to leave us a rating and review? It really does help more people find us and join our community. Thanks, friends. Our production hero is the coolest kid in the room, Julie Confer. Hi. Our theme song is Sunray by Remy Boersboom. I think I just nailed the name. Whoop! Rabbit fans have always powered the We Are For Good podcast, but now Rabbit fans can get even more goodness and access by joining Good Friends. It's our listener support community for the We Are For Good podcast. Good Friends comes with perks, exclusive episodes with John and I, including The Good Brief, our new monthly cliff notes of the greatest takeaways and lessons learned from that month, and exclusive AMA episodes where we answer your burning questions and tap our community of experts. Join now or learn more at weareforgood.com backslash friends. We can't wait to see you inside. That's weareforgood.com slash friends.